Well, today's the day when we make a very special and deliberate gift and offering to God in support of our church and our mission and our community, our city, and far beyond. This Sunday is the culmination of our generosity campaign. As odd as it is to say that in these days, as we focus our sights on our church's mission in the year 2021. If you're just tuning in, this can sound like another plea, another fundraiser among the, the dozens or perhaps hundreds that you get through your email or your mail or media or social media. You're already getting so many asks. I understand this because I know what it feels like to try to listen to car talk on a Saturday morning after a long week and I need a good laugh only to be greeted by the annual NPR fundraiser. Do you know how that feels? Do you know how my stomach sinks when that happens? How am I going to get through this Saturday without click and clack? If you give $50, we'll send you a tote bag. It's a nice tote bag. Get even more and we'll give you a box set to Car Talk's greatest hits. Well, that's that's not helping me right now. I want car talk now. Anyway, I don't mean to put such fundraising efforts and kind charitable giving in a pastor in, uh, in a bad light. What kind of pastor in the right mind would say right now, don't be charitable? When our nation is hurting so, and we need so much more participation than ever in charitable giving in every way, what pastor with any sense would preach a sermon disparaging charity? even in the slightest expression, during an annual generosity campaign. But to be clear, what I mean to say today is that what we often call charity doesn't nearly capture the full picture of God's charity to us revealed in Jesus. You see, there is this mere form of charity which is not a bad thing, but mere charity, the, the tossing of change into the bucket, the sensible check in, in the mail to the Red Cross, the Venmo gift to the GoFundMe account, all good things, all very good things, to be sure. And I know our congregation consists of full-hearted, generous people who give in these ways without expecting anything in return. I bless it all. I bless it all. Any gift from a cheerful heart bears something in it of the divine. But the story of God's gift to us in Jesus is something more significant, far more significant than even these good things because it's costlier. And the more of this truth we absorb and, and understand, the more all-consuming it becomes. Paul invites... Christians today to inhabit a different mindset, which is to say a different imagination about who God is and who we're meant to be. We might even say Paul is asking us to lose our minds. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Well, how do we get there? We lose what was there in order to take what Christ is offering and then he quotes from what is likely the most ancient fragment of text in the entire New Testament, often called the Christ Hymn. Philippians 2, 
The hymn sketches a breathtaking picture of Jesus. Jesus, Paul says, though he was in the form of God, equal to God, didn't use this power to his own advantage. Rather, Jesus emptied himself. The King James Version puts it this way, he made himself of no reputation. He lost his reputation for us. He lost his mind, you might say. Rather than hold up all that power for his own advantage, he held it up for us and poured it out for us. And there is this perfect Christian, perfect picture of Christian charity here. God's all-consuming love for us is a love that empties itself. So, there's mere charity on the one hand, all good, but then there's the charity of the cross, God drained to the dregs. On the cross, Jesus displaces his own life and blood in order to absorb and exhaust all of the worst that human beings could ever do. So have this same self-giving mindset, Paul says. Lose your old mindset and replace it with this one. I think at the very least, this puts token charity into perspective. Christian charity is marked by, well, losing your mind. Love takes hold of your life and won't let go of you. It compels you to empty yourself as though you'd been possessed by a power greater than you. Whatever it is, it's so important that you can't imagine not giving yourself away to it. I remember old Bert. Bert was a friend of mine from years ago. We were members of the church together, and Bert was always talking about the $5,000 a year he gave to the church. And I, just to be clear, I adored this man. Uh, but after a while, it started to to kind of annoy me when he'd keep telling me about this $5,000 every year. You know, I give that $5,000 of the church, you know, Mac, I don't ever miss it. I don't ever miss that money. And uh, year after year of this, and finally, you know, one day we were just sitting by the campfire and I said, Bert, uh, have you ever considered giving what you would miss? And Bert looked at me like I'd lost my mind. But I think also of a brand new parent. Whether through childbirth or, or fostering or adoption, this new love, it takes over your life. You can't imagine not pouring yourself out for this child. They demand all of your attention anyway, but that's no matter. You've somehow become empowered to empty yourself for them. A new imagination has taken over your mind. You have lost yourself for them. And I think also of musicians like George Harrison, who once said that he played the guitar every day until his fingers bled. Or someone like Merle Haggard, who once delayed his own release from prison just by a few minutes so he could listen to the end of a song that was playing out of a radio as he was walking out of the gate. He stopped right at the threshold and began to lose himself in this song. The way he tells it, it was February 3rd, 1960, and the song came over the radio called The Last Ride by Hank Snow. 
and I've looked up this song and listened to it, and I can't tell you for the life of me why it would keep you from leaving prison by an extra few minutes, but for Merle Haggard, it did. And the prison guard said, hey man, did you change your mind? Merle listened to the whole song all the way to the end, and then he crossed over into freedom. You lost your mind? And I think of former members of our church, as well as my own home church, who I know for a fact took out second mortgages to give their churches a, a future and a hope. It still amazes me. It amazes me that people would do something like that. It doesn't compute. Uh, they didn't know. They didn't know how it would turn out. They didn't know what was going to happen to their life. They didn't know what was going to happen to their reputation if they defaulted on one or the other mortgage. They made of themselves no reputation. A new imagination was taking over your minds. Can you imagine the conversation between partners at the dinner table? I think we ought to take out a second mortgage, dear. Have you lost your mind? I think of people right now among us who give without expecting anything in return, who don't have much to give in the way that the, the world measures giving, but who simply show up and they pour out their whole heart. And you know that if they didn't do it, somehow they'd just pop. I love those people. You can't have church without folks who give that way not possible. It's one of the ties that binds us together. A new imagination takes them over. And it's like a magnetism that keeps us together somehow. Can't explain it. You remember the old story Jesus tells, or the Gospels tell, of Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler it makes, a, it makes an appearance quite often in this time of year of tote bags and box CD sets. The story goes like this. There was a rich young ruler who met Jesus and in a way sort of tried to, to impress Jesus with his religiosity. He was a churchgoer, a good person. In fact, he, he'd followed all of the law down to the letter he tells Jesus all of this, and you can just see his, his passion, really, his, his eagerness to be close to Jesus. And Jesus says, well, you know, you lack one thing. You need to sell all you have, and then give the proceeds to the poor, and then you can come follow me. And the young man is crestfallen. You can just see his head fall. He turns and he walks away. But I love Grady Nutt's version of this story. Grady Nutt, one of the great gospel storytellers uh, who died far too young, uh, but was a Baptist and would go around churches telling all these stories. And one of my favorite sayings was he'd read the scripture for them and they didn't have to read along with them because he'd tell it to them without lying. Well, his version of the rich young ruler is that he changes the ending, and he asks us to imagine that it would happen this way. 
And the way he tells it is, in fact, the rich young ruler says, yes, okay, I'll do it. And then Jesus, with a sly grin, looks back at him and says, well, now that you've given it up, why don't you bring it with you? Somebody's got to pay the light bill around here. Now, if that's really what happened, I can imagine the rich young ruler's friends looking at him like he had lost his mind. It's that time of year, not for mere charitable giving. It's the time of year now. And it's the time in our nation's history and the time in our church's history for each one of us to consider how God might be inviting us, yes, to lose our minds. It's a very frightening proposition. And yet, at the very end of our passage today, Paul consoles us by saying, do not be afraid. God will make us able. For on the cross, Jesus takes his whole life and pours it out upon the whole world and fills it up with the love of God and makes things possible for each one of us that we never could have imagined. So my question is for each one of us and to myself, have we lost our minds around here? I sure hope so. Thanks be to God.